Welcome to the Nexus. Bing Bong is eight forty three Central Time, October twenty sixth. Five days until Halloween. Steve, what does that? Mean? What does Halloween mean to us? Uh, well, I think you've asked a, a four part question. Well, I was hoping I was hoping for four parts as long as each part has at least three subsets. <laughs> uh, three subsets of six groupings each, of course. Right. I yes. think I think it I think it means uh, to us the night he came home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it means a middle-aged bald man with a goatee walking around in a trench coat, lurking in people's yards and peeking in windows, and over dramatically saying the word. Evil. Evil has come to this town, Sheriff. Yes. I think that 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 would be... Now, okay, now, if you would break each of those down into six subsets so that we can appropriately appropriately move forward uh, with the rest of the podcast, then, you know, once once you've done that, then we can proceed. Well, I think I want to, uh, you know, tease for our fans that uh, coming October 30th, we should be releasing our episode or review of the of ho- the original Halloween 2, uh, which came out in 1981, I believe. And we will be reviewing that and answering several questions, including questions like, has Dr. Loomis lost his mind? Well, um, you, know, you know, just by way of preview for that, and I know I know we uh, we, we are going to do an entire episode um, let's just say that the fact that you had to say the original Halloween two is is a little bit bothersome to me. But yeah, it, we'll, it's, maybe it's, we'll, it's really something we're going to dig into as well. Yes, indeed. Okay. So that said, that said, Stevo, before we get into our video game discussion, I first of all need to know how are you doing, Philadelphia Phillies. Game seven, you and I had some preliminary conversations about this uh, in, our, in our podcast preparation talk the other night. It seems like what you predicted regarding their uh, false bravado turned out to tur- – tur- tur- turned you into a prophet, my friend. What do you, what do you say about <laughs> I, I really – th- you know, uh, for our listeners out there, I am a grew up a Phillies fan, however, the last – Honestly, most of my life, I've been primarily an Atlanta Braves fan. So the Atlanta Braves' loss was more crushing. However, I still do follow and support the Phillies. Um, I did feel like the Phillies were very arrogant. I feel like their fans were very arrogant and overconfident. Um, how it's a, Really what happened to the Phillies is exactly what happened to the Braves, which is they just they couldn't hit. They were, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't, the Phillies didn't lose Game 7. Uh, seven to nothing. They lost four to two. They lost on two singles, a sacrifice fly, and a fielder's choice. Mm-hmm. And outside of Alec Baum and um, and and Schwarber, they just they just there was I think it was Castellanos and Turner and uh, Harper were 0 for 23 in the last two games. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is I don't even really blame those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that's the approach that worked for them. The same thing that worked for the Braves. That just the you know baseball is a hot and cold sport. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. just the way it works. Yeah, it really um, is. 
but I, I do I will throw a lot of shade on the Philadelphia fans who are really hard and saying a lot of negative things about the Phillies. Well, I do think the Phillies players acted like the series is over two nothing. Nothing like the fans who were celebrating World Series title after going up mm-hmm. two nothing. Celebrating right. a World Series title, there's no way we lose two games at home. Why not? Why is there no way? Why why would you think that? And why, and the fans calling the sports talk are just so overwhelmingly ugly. To the Phillies yeah. players, saying that the Phillies pl- the the players should be ashamed of themselves and they owe them. For the Phillies this year were an eighty eight win team. They they won like eighteen less games than the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Just beating the Braves was a huge accomplishment. Right? Should they beat they should have beaten the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you know what? The Phillies didn't let them down. They sometimes you're just not good enough. Sometimes you and and sometimes you set your expectations ridiculously high. And you said that about why why shouldn't they lose those those those, those games at home? I mean, just ask the Astros and the Rangers. Right. I mean, <laughs> Who, I mean look, neither one won a single game at home. Right. And and look at look at the divisional round. I mean, or first off, the Dod- the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Who were mm-hmm. really close to being as good as the Braves. Mm-hmm. The Orioles got swept out, had mm-hmm. were basically uh non-competitive and they were a great team the same the as the tampa bay Rays, right tampa the, the blue years were it was just it's one of those post seasons where I, I just don't feel like i need to rip bryce harper who i think is a great no one feels worse than bryce harper right bryce harper owes me nothing as a fan right yeah i know right. he goes out there and busts his butt but for me yeah. to be critical of yeah. of him trying to do the very things that have gotten the Phillies where they are. I don't get it. Sure, they should have played small ball, but it's not easy to play small ball when you're not built that way. Right. Like if you know if you're Oklahoma in the 1970s, and you run the wishbone offense, you don't switch the next game to a shotgun offense. And, right. And that and suddenly you're running the run and shoot and scoring 60 points a game. No, you do you do what you do what your bread and butter has always been, and you continue with that game plan, and you hope that that the streak continues because, you know, somebody the right person at the right time catches on fire and does the things that need to be done. And, to and here's it. what I say to the Philadelphia fans: if mm-hmm. the they they if they there's this is, this is no win situation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, why didn't they change? Mm-hmm. And then or it's, you know why why did they stick with the home run thing? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if they win 7 nothing, it's a good thing they stuck with the home. It's just like there's no – for Philadelphia sports fans, mm-hmm. unless their team wins the championship, there's just mm-hmm. – there's almost no grace there. Right. Uh, and I just – I really have a struggle. I'm a Braves fan. I'm Like I said, much harder – hits me harder that they lost, especially the Phillies. But, like, I don't – you know, I'm, I'm over it. Uh, and part of that is right. it's easier when they won a championship in 2021. But like, I, I yeah. love the Braves. I don't. I, yeah. They're not someone that that my them winning or losing depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. And for some yeah. reason in Philadelphia, they feel like that's okay that the sports team can dominate the mood of the city, and you can th- throw blame on the on the 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 athletes for how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's wrong. Yeah. So let me let me see if I can sum this up for us so we can get in, into the rest of our of, of our podcast. Would you say that Philadelphia's treatment of its sports teams and its outlook on their uh, 
the, the missed opportunity here, particularly in this postseason, is the equivalent of just Spartanburg's entire approach to life? <laughs> is that, that depends. I mean, it depends what, I mean, are we talking about the people live our district for Spartanburg higher for Dorman? Well, I mean, they're all in Spartanburg <laughs> County. So it just, I mean, it really doesn't, that, 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 that doesn't, there's no separation there. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it, that'd be like you saying, are we talking about the Sixers or the Flyers or the, or the Phillies? It, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, the Philadelphia fans are, are consistently the same about all of their franchises. Yes, that's accurate. Well, yes. Do you, okay. do you feel like easily is just suburban Greenville? Um, <laughs> Much like Seneca is suburban Clemson? I, I kind of feel like easily suburban Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so, a statement. Yeah. So anyway, um, I had, okay. We we went. Like, sorry for getting off track with this. We do so well here in the Nexus. We right. went to the Upper South Carolina State Fair in Easley. I think it was in 1998. Uh huh. And it was easily the most bizarre, exciting, surreal experience we've ever seen. We went to a uh-huh. demolition derby there. Okay. Where we saw someone get pulled out of a car and put on a stretcher into the ambulance. The ambulance leaves the track where the derby's going on, pulls onto a side road where it realized it's blocked, where they have to call another ambulance to come in, take the person out of this ambulance, wheel them across the area to another one before it goes. It was like watching The Simpsons. Wow. It's the strangest okay. thing I've ever seen. Yep, yep, okay. I, I, I see where... All of that would be confusing to an outsider, uh, but you know, in some cases, that's just another day in the office. Well, I just, um, I just love the fact that there's not just a South Carolina State Fair; there's an Upper South Carolina State Fair. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, they... oh, we are really just going off the rails well, here. I, I feel, I feel like the Upper South Carolina State Fair would would have made a great Atari video game. <laughs> Well, yes, I would agree with that. I would agree that I think that most of all of South Carolina's history would make would make a great Atari video game. Uh, it, there are just so many things that we could say about the state of South Carolina and its uh, standard operating procedures that uh, that that would. I really feel like Atari didn't give. South Carolina a fair shake when it was considering the video games that it produced. And so and, speaking, and it, speaking of that, I feel like that tonight's uh, uh, discussion in the Nexus is on video games. Is that correct? It is. And I feel like if the Atari people had listened to South Carolina, Pac-Man would have been gobbling up Scuppernongs. <sighs> yes. I, I agree with that. I, or boiled peanuts. I call those bold peanuts. Well, you know, that's... The, I, I love bold peanuts. I yeah. absolutely... I Me like too. pickled peaches, too. Well, that's... I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. How do you feel about... Um, uh, how do you feel about pimento cheese? I don't like... You know I don't like any type of cheese. How do you I feel do about the giant that. peach and Gaffney? I love it. I believe that it's the most significant landmark in the United States, slightly ahead of Mount Rushmore. Wow. That's saying something for a state that has Fort Sumter. 
That's true. That's a pretty significant landmark, the Peach and Gaffney. Well, I mean, so for all of you, uh, all of you listeners out there tonight, if you are not familiar with the Gaffney, South Carolina Peach, um, I would highly suggest uh, Google search, click on the images button, uh, allow yourself to gaze upon the peach and its glory. If you can get a, uh, a shot that provides all different angles of the peach, because I, I think there are some aspects of it that just really need to be seen and can't be described. Uh, so, I, feel like, I feel like this is a really anal retentive description of the peach. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. And speaking of the comment that you just made, uh, the request has been made that this remain a family-friendly podcast tonight. Okay. So uh, you, uh, you are going to have to – I want <laughs> – I want to make it absolutely clear. I, I, never have, I, I never have any problems with that, with that, that parameter. <laughs> I, being... I, I, I tend to remain inside the family-friendly realm. And so my, uh, my co-host, Howard Stern here, uh, is the one who, who tends to break out of that, uh, that uh, self-imposed um, uh, G rating or PG rating that we try to, we try to maintain here in the Nexus. I'm, I'm going to uh, talk in code, but I feel like there's a nine-year-old igneous rock behind this. <laughs> well, the igneous rock is now 10 years old. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, well, you know, it, you know, the birthday was recent. So you don't have to, uh, to, to apologize there. Um, but well, I think maybe also... you should be apologizing because there was a birthday party I wasn't invited to. Now, then you're making a lot of assumptions there. Number one, you're making the assumption that the invitation was not sent. And I could eat, so I can just assume that the invitation was received and disregarded. Yeah, uh, so uh, there's there's lots of the, we could start pointing fingers and casting blame, but the reality well, I, is I find your argument arbitrary and capricious. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say that it was skillful and delicious? <laughs> uh, but here we are now. Uh, I would imagine some uh, fifteen minutes into our recording tonight and we haven't talked we've said atari a couple of times so i will give us credit for that but i think it's time that we get into the nexus and talk about uh classic video games that is correct so let, let's start with uh let's start with arcades so classic video games would have came about or video home video game systems would have come about because you're taking what was in the arcade, which would take you a quarter to play each time, mm-hmm. um, taking that action and bringing it home to you so you can play in the comfort of your own living room, bedroom, basement, rumpus room, uh, uh-huh. any uh-huh. of those places. So let's talk about arcades for a minute. Um, my, pers- my, my, my first experience with arcades, we had one, and there were a lot of arcades like this. It was down the road from us in a strip mall. And it was called Satellite. Uh-huh. In, inside, it was black walls, maybe some paper mache to look like it, the surface of the moon. Or maybe it was like an asteroid, I guess. I don't know, because it was called Satellite. Uh, 
and it was a very dark, smoky place. And my, my parents absolutely forbid my brother from going in there. But what it was was it was a space literally lined with video games, you know, from from one end of the the, the retail space to the back on each wall. And it was just, you know, video games. And that's all mm-hmm. you did there. And there's usually a person – there is a person in there that would that would give you change. And even back then, there there weren't – the dollar change machines weren't common. Um, they became common, more common in the 80s. But usually it was a person you'd have to go and give a dollar to, and they give you four quarters. Um, and 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 you would usually find uh, a few standalone machines um, in maybe a, a grocery store where I grew up was the Acme. There would be like mm-hmm. on the way the way in the way out, depending on where you're looking at it, um, right beyond the checkout, there'd be like a Pac-Man machine or Tempest or Asteroids there waiting for you. Or you, when you go to Pizza Hut, that was the big one. Pizza Hut had the, like the tabletop, uh, Ms. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you, mm-hmm. you could, instead of standing up and looking at the screen, you were sitting down in the chair mm-hmm. and looking at the table where you could put your drink on it and play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, one of the etiquettes I remember about that was uh, as many quarters, once you controlled the machine, mm-hmm. well, A, you could, you could play until you died, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So there was never any pressure as long as you were playing. But also, if you had eight quarters and you placed those eight quarters on the machine, you got to play it more times. That's correct. And that was just a respected etiquette that was not questioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you would wait for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so here's, here's the thing that always struck me as interesting about that concept. Is that sometimes, like if I placed my quarter on the machine, I would stay there by that machine until it was time for my quarter to come up. But because most people don't study their quarters and know, you know, what year they were manufactured. I don't know if I guess you manufactured is the best word there. <laughs> the people that would put their quarter down and then they would leave, like walk away and go play another video game or go get a. Um, I remember. So one of the uh, one of the arcades uh, that we had um, and I don't know if you had one of these. and I don't know how big this this chain was. Putt uh, putt. Do you know putt putt? I, I know what putt putt is. I didn't realize okay. it was a chain, but we had yeah. we had several. Yeah, usually, uh, especially in the eighties, they would they would add like a little arcade uh, right. with them. Yeah, well, our putt putt had a huge arcade. It was probably it was the, one of the biggest arcades in Greenville, I would say. And um, that was where I played. And I don't want to jump ahead too far, but that was where I played Dragon's Lair for the first time. Um, but you know, people. So with putt putt, you know, obviously you hear the name it had they had they had the putt putt course and those sorts of things but they also had uh a concession uh vending you know nachos hot dogs mm-hmm. uh you know jumbo pretzels candy that kind of popcorn that kind of thing but and there were people that they would come and they would put their quarter down and then they would go and get a hot dog <laughs> and i'm coming back and, and you know coming back and you know especially when you had a newer game that was kind of popular and people were trying to you know more and more people were trying to play how did you know <laughs> which quarter was yours by the time you got back? And I seem to I seem to recall disrespecting this quarter system. And it really could have been anyone's quarter. And 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 just 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 taking it for granted that everybody was gonna follow the rules there. Right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think, and 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 maybe that's true. Maybe that's true, and I I I, I hope that's true. I, I'm I'm not sure that I would trust that system now, 
but yeah, maybe maybe in the maybe in the '80s that was that was the way it was. We won't get too far off. We could probably do a whole separate episode in arcades, but you know, obviously Chuck E. Cheese had an arcade component. Um, I know we used to go to brunch at the Holiday Inn, and usually hotels would have a little arcade with two or three machines. Um, but uh, so eventually, satellite closed down, um, and I, you know, of course, my brother and I would go in there. We were really obedient kids because I remember even standing outside of there was our neighbor went in and we would just wait for him for 45 minutes till he was done because mm-hmm. my mom would say, don't go in there. Um, and while that was a dark and smoky place, the, the arcade that really took that one over was at the Willow Grove Mall called Challenges. Mm-hmm. Now, where, where our listeners may have heard of Challenges before, Challenges is the actual arcade that they reference and that Adam worked in on the show The Goldbergs. Huh. The, okay. The Goldbergs okay. takes place in Jenkintown, which is actually where I was baptized at Jenkintown United Methodist Church, uh, which is right next to where I grew up. So when they're talking about an arcade called Challenges, that was the one in the mall that I went to. And that one was much more so, you know, where arcades were smoky and dark in the 70s, mm-hmm. they were very bright and neon in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. became a much different place, graduating from yeah. a place where, you know, like, like what you saw in Dazed and Confused, where there was the older guys there. Yeah, we're we're out of high school just a few years. <laughs> yeah, that seemingly all had facial hair, uh, yeah. and had an unlimited amount of time to play video games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you brought up dazed and confused. I I, I feel like we might ought to do a podcast on that at some. Oh, point. I love I loved uh, I love dazed and confused. Although I uh, I've avowed is Ben Affleck is my sworn enemy. Because of dazed and confused, or just because of. Ben Affleck. Just because of who he is. Yeah, okay. I understand that. Okay. Um, I, so here's, here, here's the thing about Days and Confused. Again, we won't get too far off topic. I hate that we missed that experience together because you were gone from Winter by the time that movie came yep. out. Yep. And uh, I, I hate that we didn't get to experience that together because that was, that was a, uh, a culturally, a college culturally impactful movie. Um, at least it went through. Um, but, well, for us, for us in Athens, Georgia, uh, it was a movie that the local theater wouldn't carry. And yeah. so, um, you know, there's a component of Athens, Georgia that's, you know, very conservative locally. And then you have the mm-hmm. liberal college town, right? So uh-huh. what happened was, uh, you, you probably know of the Georgia theater, what I'm talking about, downtown Athens. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, got, they got it, and they showed it there at the Georgia theater, and that's where I saw it. Okay, yeah. Or it was either yeah. there or you had to go to Atlanta to go see it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, yes. So yeah, our arcades. Yeah. I, and I can remember, and here's the other thing about arcades is that you had the, and it sounds like this, the challenges place that you're talking about, very similar to the putt-putt in Greenville uh, or, or, and, and, and truly Stephen, the home of arcades and a place where you can still find a number of arcades that would remind you of the eighties is Myrtle beach. Um, tons of arcades and the thing at myrtle beach that i loved is, uh, and that i still do love is that they would have them along the boardwalk and they would be open almost like open air arcades mm-hmm. there would be a roof over them but they would open these big bay garage doors and you could just walk in from the beach and then start they playing still... and start playing video games and those are still present yeah, they have those in Ocean City, New Jersey. Uh, yeah. They're still there. Classic things like skee-ball, pinball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what, what I don't s- like... Go ahead. 
No, well, I was going to say, but they also still have a lot of the old classic video games too. Um, you know, your 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 Galaga, your Pac-Man, your uh, Centipede, uh, a lot of games like that that you can still just walk in off the off the beach or or, or if you're on the flip side of it, off the uh, off of Ocean Boulevard and uh, just you know enjoy some old school video games. Absolutely, uh, which is um, which is which is phenomenal, I think, in this day and age. But as a kid, as a kid, you know, you talked about the difference sort of between the 70s versus 80s arcades is that I remember in the 70s as, as arcade games, the standalone arcade games, and, and so we're still in that classic arcade game mode in, in our discussion, I would say, is that there were arcade games all over the place. Yes. You know, you could go in a 7-Eleven and there'd be a couple of arcade games in there. Right, um, or a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> right, yeah. There might be an arcade and, game in, in the lobby or near the restrooms. And I feel like arcade arcades themselves really kind of took off in the 80s. And of course, I feel like they probably died in the 80s as well. Um, but... You know, in the 70s, you, you just saw them starting to expand. And I think you're talking about just the dank sort of mm-hmm. long line room of just nothing but games. And there really being nothing else except for maybe a guy who was dispensing change versus the the bells and whistles and all the sounds. And I mean, it feels like and I know this probably wasn't true. It may just be perception of mine and, and hindsight and fading memories. But it seems like in those 70s arcades. There was almost no noise either. <laughs> now you're right. It was the only noise was what was coming out of the games. Right. But as you come into the uh, into the 80s arcades, uh, and I'm assuming challenges was probably this way as well, like because putt putt was. There was all sorts of noise, not only from the games themselves, but just I, I feel like they might have even piped in some ambient yes. noise. Absolutely. Yeah. Very very bright. Very noisy. Yeah, You're, yeah. It's, that's a because it's funny when I think of uh, satellite. I talked about uh, it's. It was a very quiet place. Yeah, you're right. It's a dark, dark, smoky. Smelled like scandals. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't cross the line there with my Howard Sternness by mentioning scandals. Yeah, no, I don't think scandal. I think you can it's, mention scandals. And it's interesting though, and, and we'll get into these games in just a second. Like while the arcade as a focal point of pop culture faded, mm-hmm. they are still around. And like you said, yeah. like places like Myrtle Beach and places mm-hmm. like Ocean City, New Jersey, Ocean Rehoboth City, New Beach, Jersey, Delaware, yeah, sure. um, various shore points. Um, mm-hmm. Arcades still have a place, and I still enjoy them, and I can go there with my own kids. And, and since they've been five years old, and now they're 16, we still we want to go to the boardwalk and play arcade games. The only thing I don't yeah. like, and we'll get into this difference in a minute, is I, I'm tired of... I don't like first-person shooter games. Yeah, agreed. And I feel there's so many of those, whether it's yes. a pistol, a rifle, you're shooting zombies. Like To me, there's nothing fun about just pointing this weapon and shooting things. Right. There's no skill in that. And, and, and the game's and the, not linear either. I like a linear game. And the, the other thing that and, – and, and I think this probably plays into the comment you just made about it not being linear is that I feel like in those games, all of a sudden you're just dead. Yes. You you don't really you didn't even know you were taking damage. Right. Yeah, all of a sudden it's flashing red and you take one more hit and that's it and you're like, right. what happened? Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. I, yeah, I just, can't stand Five that. seconds ago, it's like, power board is up, and there's all these right. graphics, and yeah. then dead. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I just went from the single-shot BB gun to the uh, supercharged backpack-carrying laser gun <laughs> cannon, and now I'm dead. Yep. Ex- so, yep exactly. Yeah. I can't. I, I can't abide too much in the shooter games. I like. And, and, I like a good, a good, a good, just standard, classic video game that you know that allows me to. And and I think and 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 this is what bothers me even more about the arcade, the existing arcade shooter games, is that you can play shooter games on consoles mm-hmm. that actually feel like they're going somewhere. Right. So why can't we capture that in the arcade? But, and that's that's the problem with those games. It's like they're they're meant for you to be killed to put more money in the machine. Right. Whereas yes. Pac-Man, if we're looking back, Pac-Man, Asteroids, Centipedes, Centipede, Spy Hunter, Donkey Kong, right. um, mm-hmm. Drag Dragon Slayer, which was very tough, uh, mm-hmm. or Galaga is a perfect one. For a quarter, mm-hmm. you could get a a large amount of entertainment, mm-hmm. and you you yeah. were rewarded for your success. Mm-hmm. Well, like we right. said, you play these first-person shooter games, or you're shooting at zombies in a pirate ship, and you're you're racking up a you know 1.5 million points, mm-hmm. and then right. you're dead. Insert coin. Yeah, yeah. And there's Agreed. like, what, what are we doing here? There's there's no story. It's yeah. just it's just meant for you to it's meant for you to spend money instead of the other way, which was the better you get at this game, we're going to mm-hmm. reward you with another screen, another life. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Agreed. And, and yeah. And, and, and it was, it was, it was culminating. There was always, there was a quest as it were. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that's, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm looking at, at the production notes and, and like, even with Pac-Man, which, which was, was a very, I mean, I know, uh, it, you know, it swept the nation with its, uh, you know, Pac-Man fever. There were songs, there was cereal, there was a cartoon, all of those things. And the premise of the game was very simple. Mm-hmm. But you were always working towards getting to that next level because you wanted to see what the next thing was going to be. Yeah, you and, and you, were, you were thrilled to death if you got the next screen. It was the same maze. But maybe the barriers were a different color, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah. "Whoa!" Or the yes. little thing in the middle went from a strawberry to—I think I remember Pac-Man correctly. The top thing was a key. I think and, that's right. And usually yeah. you had to defeat each level twice to get to the next. Like it was like you know, mm-hmm. cherry, strawberry, pretzel, pear, key, something like that. No, there, was a, there was a banana in there. Yes, I feel like yes. So anyway. Um, well, fantastic. So, so what, what, what direction do you want to take the conversation now? Well, I think when we look at these games, I think all of them had like some kind of good background story. They were simple games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Pac-Man really had a story other than the ghosts were chasing, right? Simple story. Mm-hmm. Asteroid, mm-hmm. you destroyed asteroids. Mm-hmm. Ms. Pac-Man was, was very popular because it was easier than Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was very, I thought Pac-Man was fairly it was actually very challenging to get to the second screen it was mm-hmm. even harder to get to the next one after that whereas mm-hmm. ms pac-man you could blink an eye and you'd be on the third screen and ms pac-man that really cool thing where it'd have act one act two mm-hmm. you know where ms pac-man and pac-man would meet and then they the next act they have a baby yeah um yeah 
but so there was the there was a single game screens like Pac-Man, Asteroids, uh, Centipede, Galaga. Then there were the linear ones. Um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes to mind, I guess. Spy Hunter would be more of a vertical linear, if that makes sense. Um, I really like Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. which was most people wouldn't know that's where Mario came from. Right. Because Mario was the one trying to rescue the princess, Princess Peach, from mm-hmm. Donkey Kong, the kidnapper. And that's where you know these Nintendo characters originate from. Right. And do you think I know that I know that, you know, most people are, are, are reasonably intelligent. Do you think that people understand that that's what Wreck It Ralph is based on? <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I don't think they do. I liked Wreck It Ralph. I did not like Wreck It Ralph too a whole lot. No, I didn't um, either with the whole internet thing. Yeah, yeah it just didn't just didn't but, work. But I, I really did. Yeah, yeah, I really did enjoy Wreck It Ralph. But do you think that they get that that you know Wreck It Ralph is Donkey Kong? Let me give a compliment to Wreck It Ralph here. I don't think so, but I think that's also a compliment to Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. That it that it works for those of us who played classic video games, mm-hmm. and for kids that have no idea what that's based on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it also because it's almost a comic. Do you remember the game Rampage? That was a fun one too. And there was a yes. lot of that in Wreck It Ralph, where he's yes. just climbing the buildings and beating mm-hmm. it. They're, they're like different creatures. It's like it wasn't one like a rhinoceros. Uh, well, or maybe there, like was, a Godzilla. there was a Godzilla. Yeah. There was a Godzilla and a. Uh... Was was there like a bird kind of, uh, like almost like a griffin kind of thing? There was an ape. I don't remember the last time I even thought about Rampage. Uh, I feel like, didn't they make a movie? It's possible. Let's see what we got here. Um, I feel like they made a movie. Internet research here. Looks like, yeah, it looks like there's some kind of, looks like. And like they tried to make it kind of serious. Not not like serious in the sense of like it was like, you know, uh, terms of endearment, but like <laughs> terms of endearment. You know, you know. Now it's being inappropriate. I'm sorry. Yes, that's true. Um, but then it was serious in the sense that like, oh my goodness, these monsters are coming. Sort of like one of those Pacific Rim type movies. Um, I feel, I feel like, like, like was that was that a Glenn Close, Jack Nicholson, or Jack Nicholas? Uh, Nicholson, sorry. Uh, Somebody like that. that. Same Sally Field in that. (laughs) Shirley MacLaine. Somebody, you know, I don't know. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger. There we go. There we go. Is John Lithgow in that? Yes. Jeff Daniels. Oh, okay. That's the one where Deborah Winger's sick and all. Okay. Yeah. We can move on. Sorry, we can move on. (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, did you find, what did you find on Rampage? That was, that was the bigger thing. It looks like there was three three characters like I remembered, um, and three people you play at one up, time. Did you look up the movie or the game? No, I was looking up the video game. Okay, gotcha. Okay. One was Nape, one was like a Godzilla character, and the other one was kind of a – I can't really tell what – like a werewolf type of creature. Okay, yes, I remember that now. Yeah. And they would just kind of s- climb the buildings and try to smash the buildings until yeah, they Yes, so I just remember them just punching the buildings. And it was just yeah. kind of fun to yeah. to be destructive. And there were games where like Mortal Kombat too, um, which I, I didn't. For me, I had to play. I like the games. Like so, talk about classics. You know, Pac-Man, Asteroids, Centipede. Uh, mm-hmm. Both Centipede and Galaga were really fun because you could hit that rhythm where you just you would hit that button over and over again, mm-hmm. and you just destroy the whole centipede at once, or, or yeah. all those ships in a yeah. formation. And that was really a lot of fun. 
where Donkey yeah. Kong was more challenging. Donkey Kong, the arcade game, was hard. And it was especially hard once you climbed up. You'd get across the first level, climb up the first ladder, and if you didn't mm-hmm. time it just right, you weren't getting across that first barrel. Right. Um, but I always, liked, I always liked the classic games, too, where it was basically three lives, right? Yes. And then at some point, you could earn extra lives, which mm-hmm. just that just made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, and I do think if we kind of take this now into the uh, into the home versions, for me, I always thought the home version of these games was so much easier than Agreed. than what was in the arcades. And I'm sure they were intentionally made that way. Like Donkey Kong was, I never made it past the second level of Donkey Kong in the arcade. Whereas at home, I would constantly dominate. Um, Pac-Man for Atari was weird. Do you remember that? He yes. wasn't even round. Yes. And he, he was kind of. Like jagged, almost yeah, like and, yeah. And he didn't like in the arcade when you played Pac-Man, his mouth would turn up when he went up. But this Pac-Man, his mouth always stayed facing the way he was going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like it would stay facing left even as you were moving up, and it would make this this like bark, 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 bark sounds mm-hmm. instead of the waka 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 sounds. Right. Uh, yeah. And and he, instead of eating fruit, he was eating something. It was a vitamin, which was just like a a square with squares inside of it. Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. you were still chasing ghosts, but it was a fairly easy maze. I remember getting – my dad pre-ordered Pac-Man when it came out in Atari. I remember mm-hmm. uh, when Atari games came out uh, or before they came out in the back of – you remember back then, newspapers used to come with like a their own TV guide locally? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, on the, so, and when the new game would come out, in the back of the TV guide would be an order form you could fill out and send in. So on a certain date, you could pick up your copy of Pac-Man or Space Invaders or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I do remember that. I, so did you have a – I did not have a Miss Pac-Man for Atari. Was there such a thing? There was. Uh, it, it came out later, and I think it more closely resembled the arcade. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I can picture the, what the cartridge looked like. But it was like that. It was more of the second generation of 2600. So if we, if we go back to um, you know home, some of the home systems that we grew up with in the late 70s into the 80s, where uh, Atari was by far the most popular, uh, mm-hmm. which we, you and I have a lot of experience with. I had an Atari 2600. Do you remember there was like a 5200? I do remember that. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but I remember I, that. I remember a friend of mine had the. There's like there was a version where it was looked like a computer it had a keyboard. Uh-huh. And the graphics were a little bit better. And then there was another one later. Uh, they updated that, but but we, we had a ColecoVision, which I thought was cool. ColecoVision was had really good graphics, and they even had a steering wheel for Turbo. Mm-hmm. Um, ColecoVision was great. Just the, there wasn't a ton of games for it. Well, the, it, it, it its heyday was very short. Yes. And 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 ColecoVision was big on Donkey Kong. Yes, Donkey Kong, Zaxxon. Um, and and I remember things. playing. The, so there was a vast graphics difference between Atari's Donkey Kong and ColecoVision's Donkey. That Kong. is correct. Vast, now, vast difference. In television, was Atari's direct competitor. Right, and that see, and this is where we get into some very specific details for our, our listeners who aren't familiar. Atari had a joystick mm-hmm. controller which stuck straight up. Mm-hmm. Literally a stick from the from the controller, and it had an orange button you could push. Mm-hmm. ColecoVision kind of had the in between of a television Atari, because the opposite end, 
in television had a paddle that was flat mm-hmm. with a round disc for mm-hmm. you to move and control, and it had a keypad. Mm-hmm. ColecoVision had both. Had the keypad plus it had a little tiny joystick. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that was kind of the in between. I in television, I, I never understood the benefits of Intellivision. It's kind of like I was a McDonald's Atari guy, so mm-hmm. I didn't want to go eat at Burger King and play in television. That makes sense. Right. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you they, so the advertising kind of created that. I felt like, yeah, is that there were some pretty significant, you know, you and I both grew up during the, uh, the Coke Pepsi wars. Yeah. Um, where they were like, really, they would attack one another on almost, almost like political ads. Yeah. Um, almost, yeah. And, and, and Atari and in television did that, uh, a great deal in the, in the early eighties, uh, just, you know, running each other's systems down and talking about, you know, why this one was better than that one and those sorts of things. I, I wonder, I don't know if, so a comparison for our older listeners. So you, when, during this time too, there was two types of, of home videos to watch. There was VHS and there was Betamax. Mm-hmm. VHS mm-hmm. was more popular. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it was easier to manufacture. Beta was actually a better quality of product. And mm-hmm. I wonder, was in television a better product than Atari, but Atari was just more popular. Yeah, and, and I would say probably so. Um, you know, similarly, I don't remember. I can remember being in, 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 you know, when, you know, you had the video game shell uh, display cases in the, in the stores. And I can remember, you know, you'd have your Atari cartridges and you'd have your Intellivision cartridges. And Atari always had more. Yes. There were more offerings. Similar to... VHS versus beta. You know, you go to the video rental store, once those became a thing, and the beta section was always smaller than the VHS section. But you're probably right. There was, um, there was probably a, uh, a higher quality to the, to the beta. You know, also, you know, I don't know if, if, uh, you remember because I feel like it was pretty short lived, and now that everybody streams everything, we don't really consider this anymore. But when Blu ray first came out and began to take the place of DVD, there was also a high definition DVD option. And that high di- HD DVD did not last very long because everybody went to Blu ray. Right. Do you remember DVIX? What, what 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 time period is that? Early two thousands. DVIX was the idea was that you purchased a disc, but uh-huh. you only had a certain number of watches of the movie on it, and then it would like self destruct. Kinda. No, I don't it, remember that. It wasn't around very long. I because I, I remember when uh, it became it went out and it was like you'd go to Best Buy and it was like you know, they were like ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. For DVIX, mm-hmm. um, to look that up. It should be a good topic for another day. Um, to to just assess the transition from VHS, a transition from basically tape to digital. But the DVIX did keep it a, a higher qual- quality. Um, it, yeah, it was it, people just didn't take go 
take on to it to DVIX. I think in television, probably not a bad product. What I remember about a television is like, to me, it always seemed like it was a flat console. The mm -hmm. paddles were flat, and even the game cartridges were flat. Mm -hmm. Whereas Atari had this three dimensional look to it. You know, you mm -hmm. put the cartridge in at an angle. You had knobs on it that you could move. The joystick you could, you know, you could move like an arcade game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always felt like that just felt more natural. It did. It felt, yeah, I felt like more like I was playing an arcade game. With television, I was like, you know, not everyone for uh, for our young igneous listeners out there, um, not everyone could use a computer back then. Not only that not even close to everyone wanted to use a computer back then. Right. And so the more technical something looked like in television, the more intimidating it was. Whereas yeah. Atari was, was more appealing to the masses, I think because it was so accessible and so easy to use. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I do feel like that if I, feel I like that, was, were... that was really profound right there. It was. It was. I feel like I just had a it moment was. here in the Nexus. It was. And, and I also think that the thing about Atari is that I could, you know, and I know that you can still get uh, some Atari products, but, but let's say that Atari was still as, ooh, I'm about to hit you with a big word, as ubiquitous no. today <sighs> as it was in the 80s, that I could go to the local department store, the local toy store, and pick up an Atari and some games. I could bring that home unpack it right now, hook it to my television, turn it on, and both me and my children could play it without a second thought. That, that yes. There would not be any kind of learning curve. There would be, now, granted, you, there would always be opportunity, uh, or, or opportunities to improve your, your play in each game as you practice, but there would be no, oh, well, I can't figure this out. We're going to have to read a manual. We're going to have to, no, you just turn it on, make sure your input is correct on the television or your, your output, whichever, I guess your input, yeah, would be your input. You're using the right input on the television, which I'm assuming at this point would be some sort of HDMI connection. And boom, you're using the standard classic joystick with a single button and you're blasting robots or swinging over a lake with alligators in it or moving a frog across a traffic filled highway. You know, I, I just, I think that, I think it's just that simple. And, and that's, I think, I think that's what I appreciate about it. Um, because, you know, we talked a minute ago about the shooter games and, and, and the gra and, and, and I would add to that that, Yes, all of a sudden you die, and it's like you're just doing this to feed money. And the, but the graphics on those things are excellent. And so it's almost like you're really just sort of vaguely participating in uh, a, a TV show or a movie. Whereas, I, I, totally agree. I agree with that completely. You're, you're not controlling a character. Right. Whereas in... Like vaguely participating. Yes, yes. Whereas when you are... Moving the frog across the first the highway and then the the all the dangers of the river. It's it's not so difficult that you're never going to be able to master this. It is challenging enough, you know. One of the things that that I've, I, I I I note about people all around me, 
and it doesn't matter what age they are, is this just, you know, the, 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 the dependency on the screens. We played video games as kids, and we walked away and did other things. Does that make, am I making any sense here? Yeah. I mean, I love to play Atari. And if you brought, if, if, if you still, don't you still have an Atari? No, we don't have one anymore. I, my dad okay. sold okay. it before he passed away. That's right. That's right. We've had that conversation. Like $75. Um, which is... But let's say that you and I, you, you came to visit me and as a surprise for your, you know, coming down to see me, you brought an Atari and we hooked it up. We could sit down and we could play Atari for an hour or two. And really have a great time, but then we could turn it off and we could go and do something completely different. Yeah, Atari, Atari was something that we, was was not like a six hour thing, uh, right? And and you're right, you had to get together. You couldn't you couldn't stream it with someone in another state, right? Or even across town. You had to be there together doing it, um, right? And even the yeah. you know the Nintendo was like that forever too. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, all the way up until, up until, I, I feel like it began to shift when Microsoft came out with the Xbox. Yeah, absolutely. Because when, when streaming was really is Madden to me that Madden really they introduced a headset you could wear, much like NFL coaches wear, and then you uh-huh. could start to play. Now, you know, true gamers, people in the video games, they they could do this stuff well before that. But when it became mainstreamed, right? Um, right. Yeah, to me that changes it. I, I always say like to my kids like you know they've online friends and i it's just that's a concept that i'm not familiar with right I and mean, i'm familiar with it but i don't i don't truly understand that um i like the camaraderie of being with someone and, mm-hmm. and playing these games together mm-hmm. um and sharing your frustrations and trying to to beat whatever is together one of the things i really enjoyed about atari though was the story that came there was always a story behind each game that was played out in the artwork on the box, mm-hmm. and it would and it would not the artwork didn't match the game, but that didn't matter because it made Space Invaders just by looking at the picture, you really understood what you were playing, because excuse me, the artwork on the box told you a story. Whether it was right. Space Invaders or Pac Man or Adventure or Haunted House or even Asteroids, especially if it was Atari, it had that artwork. Now, if you if you bought a, a game like Pitfall um, by Activision, it literally was. It said Pitfall and had the graphics on it. If you bought a Parker Brothers game like Frogger Empire Strikes Back, it had like a you know an animated graphic on it, a cartoon graphic. But the Atari games really had some cool stuff in those boxes. Let's talk about something real strange, real quick, which I never understood. Why did Sears offer? There were Sears branded Ataris and Intellivisions that were essentially the same thing. With the word Atari replaced with like Sears and Intellivision replaced with Sears. You remember this? No, this is not something that I, yeah. I feel familiar yeah. with. Yeah. So you could go into Sears, because I remember we had, my neighbor had the Sears version. I had a regular Atari. At some point, I purchased his from him and I actually had two. Um, it, it was identical products, essentially. I mean, I think like the, the, the Atari console, maybe the colors were slightly different, but your Atari cartridges worked on it, and the Sears ones worked in your Atari, and they had an Intellivision version too. Um, I, I don't 
it just was such an odd thing. You go into Sears and you go into like the game, you know, the toy gaming section, and full of Atari games. They were just Sears branded. Wow. Wow. I yeah. I I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that at yeah, all. Yeah, it was uh. Yeah, it was. It was basically. It was the the Sears version was just. It was the Atari twenty six hundred manufactured for Sears, and it played all the same games. Um, but well, let's just see how well, well you're doing this. How much do you think Atari cost in nineteen seventy seven? Coming with two joysticks is, and a is, port is, in combat. Is, is that that that's that's its that's its debut year? Yes, nineteen seventy seven. Um, I'm going to say $150. $199, which in today, to 2022 value is $960. So by the way, this, the partnership with Sears got their machines into people's homes. And after that, Atari could sell them game after game. So, um, just Sears was just a way to quickly get Atari into people's homes. Hmm. I thought it was just a weird, a weird yeah, thing. I don't think strange. something like that would exist today. Yeah, it's the same thing. Just at you know, at a department, it'd be like Walmart having like Xbox, but called like Walmart streaming console. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a bit weird. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of I don't I don't have any any insight into that. Um, okay, so uh, we are at uh, fifty three minutes in the Nexus. At this point. So the question becomes, do you want to talk about any of the specific games or is this a two-parter? Uh, let's just run that. Well, we, if we say this is a two-parter, we know we're never, ever coming back to this. <laughs> so let's just let's just run down a couple of our, some of our favorites here. Uh, asteroids. Um, you know, your, your single ship just firing an asteroids. Space Invaders, which is a long, multiple rows of aliens mm -hmm. advancing vertically towards you at the bottom of the screen. And, and, and I, I feel like, like, I feel like I'm an, I'm an, uh, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm looking at your, your production notes here, your, your, your list here of the games. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a little jumping around here because uh -oh. you, when you describe space invaders, I also immediately think of missile command because in my mind, they, those, the, the concepts of those two are so similar. Yeah. You know, with Space Invaders, you're trying the, the 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 aliens are coming out of the sky and they're moving closer and closer to you, and you have to at least pick off the bottom row before they get to you, and and I guess I guess crush you. <laughs> is that a lot is that... of these? A lot of these Atari games would get so stressful because at yes. some point, the the whatever you're firing at would advance faster and faster, and the uh -huh. music would go faster and faster, and the screen would flash at you. Yes. And it was almost – I remember there were times as a kid where I would just have to turn off. Yeah, yeah. Because so I was like, do I don't want to – Do you think that there's any correlation between that and, like, seizures? <laughs> I, I would bet so. Yeah, I would think so too. But with Missile Pit. Command, you have the same thing is that the missiles are falling out of the sky. Yeah. And you have to line up your guns to shoot the missiles before they reach your, your cities. 
and uh, as as long as you have a city standing and you have I don't remember how many cities four or five something like that as long as you have a city standing you're still in the game but then the missiles was... begin to fall more furiously and and they break apart into multiple missiles and all of those things mm-hmm. and the music is 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 very similar so I always there was always a point for me and I, I don't know how many minutes it was into my gaming um, session where uh-huh. I would just create chaos where like a missile command I would just start firing off as many missiles as possible yes or, and space invaders just moving the joystick back and forth as fast as I can seeing if I could eliminate all the aliens right it, it's yeah. just like at some point it was just fun to create chaos in an Atari yes. game and Agreed. Just, whatever happened happened Agreed. And I feel like we've already touched on, on Pac-Man and Asteroids. I'd like for you to talk about Adventure and Haunted House. Adventure and Haunted House were essentially the same format, uh, right. where you were going through like different mazes. In Adventure, you were going around collecting keys mm-hmm. to unlock the castle to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adventure's famous for it was one of the first games where the creators of the game put their names in the game. And there's a certain sequence you could do to actually see their, game, their names written in the game. Uh-huh. Um, but that was kind of cool. It was also it was a fun game, but also frustrating, where mm-hmm. it felt like if you didn't follow the right sequence or remember it, you would end up just like in constant dead ends. Right now, in in haunted house, I don't remember exactly what you were searching for, but I remember in the game uh, it would start off as dark, very similar type maze format on different screens. And mm-hmm. you would hit the joystick button, and it would light up like a bright spot, like you had a match. Mm-hmm. And you were trying to avoid ghosts and bats and things. And if like one of those things hit you, you would either die or it would take what you collected. Mm-hmm. You may right. have also been collecting keys in Haunted House. Um, I remember liking both of those games. I thought they were pretty. They were pretty fun to play, although they could be frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitfall was fun. Pitfall was a unique game because, if you remember, it started off with a counter at 5,000. Uh-huh. And it just counted down. I don't know what the actual time was. Uh-huh. Um, but the frustrating thing with Pitfall was actually a cool game where you're jumping over tar pits, disappearing tar pits, water, alligators in water, swinging vines. There was, a, there was tunnels that had scorpions below. Uh-huh. But the problem became there was no end to Pitfall. Right. And then when you when it counted down to zero, whatever you were doing at zero, the screen would just freeze, and that was the end of the game. Yes. Yes. So it made this cool sound too when you're on the vine and go. So it was a neat game, and that's why I think a lot of these Atari games like would reach a point where you just couldn't do any more, and that would become frustrating. Of course, there's ET, which both of you and I played. Um, which is considered to widely be the worst game ever created. Well, some people credit it as the thing that killed Atari. Yeah. Remember the little IR, was the IRS guy or government man, a little trench coat that would come and like... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, E.T., I enjoyed E.T. I didn't have a problem with it. I know that... Yeah, and and you would get the only thing about ET was though it was so easy to beat. I mean, it was ridiculously easy to beat that game. I feel like there's you, you would always fall into this hole. 
and you would get a phone part, and you had to get three phone parts. Right, and, and to get out of the hole, you had to stretch his neck, right. and you'd and go to the top, inevitably it would fall back down. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, and sometimes that could be frustrating. But once you got the hang of that, then the game was relatively easy. You avoid the government guy, you get the three phone pieces, you find the landing pad, you call the spaceship, and it comes and, it and gets you, you and it takes yeah. you away. And, I mean, you could literally... I mean, I can remember finishing a round of E.T. in, in less than 10 minutes. Um, yeah. And, 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 and that was, I think that's probably the more frustrating part of E.T. A lot of people, you know, I, I, we, it was Atari. People talk about, I, I love when they talk about some of these Atari games, they talk about them with 30 or 40 years of hindsight. Like, that was a terrible game back then. No, we thought it was great. We played it. That's right. Um, you, you have on the list probably, I think, my favorite Atari game of all time, which is Berserk. Um, I loved Berserk. And I never find anybody else that felt about Berserk the way that I felt about it. I, it was, um, yeah, I think you're a robot and you're shooting no, lasers you're, you're or a something. No, you're, you're a person and you're shooting robots. The okay. walls are electrified. The bullets can ricochet. But you're basically trying to destroy the robots, and you destroy them in one level, and you move on to the next level. Could, could and you it had move some from, really... like, room to room? Yes, yes. Okay. And it, it had some greatest sound effects, especially for the robots with it. And, and I just, it was, it was a great game. I, I, I miss Berserk. And, and, and here's the thing is, I'm, I'm pretty sure my Atari is still at my parents, because I believe when my kids were a little bit younger, I hooked it up and we played some and, uh, you know, presuming my dad didn't throw it away since then, but we played pitfall. We played asteroids. We played, um, uh, Frogger, but I could not find my berserk cartridge. And I was so disappointed by that. So uh, anyway. I wish I'd known about that. We kept mine. I, I enjoyed defender was a game I enjoyed, which was kind of like a space game. Yeah. And you were traveling through space and shooting ships. But I thought the cool thing about that was, a lot of the games just went from left to right. Yeah. Whereas you could flip the ship and travel forward or back. Yes. And I thought that was, it was just a really cool feeling. And it was also yeah. one of those ones that was, you know, when you get to the moment of chaos where you would just like put the thrusters all the way in one direction and just fire as fast as right. you could. Yeah. So you said you never played the game Decathlon. I the, don't think that I did. Okay, Decathlon was a really fun game to play, especially if you were with... It was not fun to play by yourself. Right. Um, but if you competed with somebody else. So basically, you took the joystick. And you, <clears throat> if you can picture this, the top of the joystick would go between your thumb and that, where your index finger is and sit there right in that little nook right there. And you would shake to run. You would shake it back and forth as fast as you can. And it had all the events of the decathlon, javelin, shot put. Yes! I did play this. And you were trying to get hurdles. your energy level up. Yes. To, and to you, do the, yes. And the, the faster you would go back and forth on this thing, the more energy you would have to, to – on you know, the pole vault, you'd have – that was one of the hardest ones. Yes. You had to run. I do remember then that. press the button to get the pole in and then press when the pole got to the top to go over. Uh-huh. Um, and there was a really fun game until you got to the very end, which was the 1500 meter, uh-huh. which was an excruciatingly long event. But right. to, you couldn't skip it. If you wanted to complete the decathlon, yeah. 
you had to do in the 1500 meter it took like it's like 15 to 20 minutes of just shaking this paddle i remember right. us just passing it back and forth and my friend greg who would go on to be an electrical engineer and graduate from mit like he would find ways to increase paddle speed by taking the rubber thing off of the thing leaving uh -huh. just the white exposed joystick to and he would oil it to make it go faster Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the way, yep. you could buy it. So we actually broke a joystick at one point, and you could actually mail into Atari, and they would send you the the plastic joystick piece that you could replace if it broke. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. That's super cool. I had I had I I thought Atari was it was a lot of fun. Um, games weren't you know violent like we talked about with the first person shooter stuff that's just not my thing these are more story basic story yeah. driven games but yeah. real quick these are the ones that i never played always wanted to there's a game called superman where clark Kent had to change and rescue lois lane that mm -hmm. just the direction sounded so cool i just never had a chance to play it i wish i had mm -hmm. then there was halloween where mm -hmm. you were trying to escape being killed by michael myers um which is, is, it was so poorly produced that even back when it first came out, if you sent away for it, it they didn't have stickers. Someone would just take a piece of masking tape and write Halloween on it. Uh -huh. um, and then there's a game called Journey Escape, which is really unique, where you were try, trying to get the band Journey safely away from fans after a concert, I believe. Yes. Uh, to a limousine, yes. which, which actually sounds... A lot like the rock and roll roller coaster ride, indeed, uh, at Hollywood Studios for Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, so. Of those three that you just named, Superman, Superman, I have no recollection of. I mean, I, not I won't say that. Superman, I have no recollection of. I remember that there was a game. I don't remember anything about it. I like everything you just described about changing from Clark Kent to Superman and rescuing Lois Lane. I have no recollection about any of that. Um, Halloween, of course, something caused us, and I don't know if it was you and I having a conversation about it, but caused me to go back and look that one up and, and read some of the information about it where I, I also knew about the masking tape and the, and the, just had the handwritten name and that, mm. and that you could somewhere, I, I felt like somebody found like in a landfill, fill, like, like hundreds of copies of this game. Um, that, I've heard that it's that legend has been there for Halloween and ET as well. Okay. Yes. So, um, and I don't know what the truth is on that either. I actually played Journey Escape. I had a, one of my friends in the neighborhood growing up had Journey Escape, and we played it, and it was it was a good game. I enjoyed it, and yes, but that's the basic premise. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the graphics or anything. You know, I played it a few times at his house. Um, but, but yes, the idea was that journey was having, you know, this is peak journey popularity. Um, they're having to get away from this mad rush of fans and you have to get them away safely in their limousine. And it's just a neat little, little, little problem to solve. So yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. So, um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is good stuff. So, uh, are we ready for our concluding event for the evening sure I'd, i think part of the uh they just really i love that you know we're looking at even spider-man et in there just the games really reflecting the time where we were growing up with yeah et superman halloween journey escape so really just... let me 
Let me ask you this, because, you know, based on uh, I I went back to listen to our our previous podcast, our cartoons part two um, before this one to see if there's anything that we needed to hit on about that. And uh, was there ever a Smurfs Atari game or other system video game? There was a Smurf ColecoVision game. Okay. um, Which was um, I would I would say that if I could related to anything would have been more like in terms of just story and linear and movement like sonic the hedgehog almost okay, okay. um and I'm, I'm looking at some graphics right now yeah i was walking through the village and i remember like jumping on a skull uh to defeat gargamel um apparently there was a version for atari um it was called rescuing gargamel's castle but i remember playing the game it was actually pretty good um, uh, Sonic was a Sega Genesis game. Is that is that what it originally was on? Is that is that am I correct? Yes. Or? Yeah, and I believe the Smurf game was manufactured by Sega, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I'm gonna check that right now. Oh uh, no, it okay. was well, it was Coleco. Coleco is the company that manufactured. It. I wonder if Coleco became Sega. Hmm. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, well, so uh, I was wondering if there, like, there, there are Smurfs had for in 1982. Smurfs had a real, some pretty good graphics. Yeah, much more basic for Atari than ColecoVision, though. I was, I was just looking. Did you know? So, in television, evidently had a He-Man game. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover. Yeah, uh, when you get a chance to do some research, look up the power of He-Man video game. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I really want to play Smurf now. Yeah. Smurf was a good one. I, I had a lot of fun with that one. So, okay. Well, I believe we are at the. Uh, at the 90th hour minute now actually yeah. we're at close to the 70th minute to be honest with you yes we really truly are um so uh let's talk about um michael jack all right so are you ready for your michael jack trivia question yes okay michael jack during his illustrious career with the philadelphia phillies Became a free agent one time. What year was his free agency? I think it's 81 or 82. That'd be my guess. Tough break for... For Steve O tonight, ladies and gentlemen, his free agency was in 1988, just before wow. he wow. retired. Okay. Evidently, he never reached free agency any other time. Yeah, I never recall Mike Schmidt as ever uh, being a threat of of leaving the Phillies. Yeah. Um. But, but I tell you, people probably love Bryce Harper more than Mike Schmidt. 
Schmidt just did not endear himself to the. I've talked about this before. He just didn't endear himself to fans of Philadelphia. He just yeah, not a personable guy. Yeah, didn't always seem to enjoy himself while he hit well over I think 548 home runs and was the best defensive third baseman ever. All apologies to Brooks Robinson. Um, yeah, not a person that particularly looked happy when he played uh, or connected with the fans. Yeah, that's tough. The, but. But the cool thing about him, and I'm a staunch Pete Rose supporter, just as a player, um, Mike Schmidt always very supportive of Pete Rose and talks uh-huh. about how the Phillies never get over the hump without Pete Rose. Yeah, uh, agreed. Maybe that's, that's maybe that's what the current Phillies need is, um, you know, they've got their big, maybe it's Schwarber. Because um, Rose yeah. was in Philly for a year before they won the World Series. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. Who was, who was the? Do you remember who was the Braves catalyst in 1991? Terry Pendleton. It's, that's correct. The son Terry Pendleton that turned everything around. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So, so we will see you, fans. We will see you again shortly in our review of the original Halloween Two. The original Halloween Two. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yes. So you uh, have a good night yourself. And from all of us to all of you, good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. And we'll see you the night that he came home. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Evil. Awesome. All right. Bye. Evil. <laughs> all right. All right. Signing off. Sign off here. Leave the Nexus.